Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me. I'm Ari and James Holland, uh, your Second World War podcast. Oh, we're, we're, are we past our 600 episode now? Yeah. I've had some people like on, on Twitter quite recently saying, I've just started at the beginning or where do I begin? And you think, I don't know. Don't I know, can't mate. help you. I can't help you with that. Um, <laughs> episode 232. Yeah, exactly. My brain's like porridge. Um, oh, no. I know. Oh, I, I can't remember what we've done and what we haven't. Well, ex- well exactly. Exactly. And and even as even as we attempt to become a bit more methodical about 1943 this year, um, uh, I, have we, I'm thinking, have we covered that? Have we done this? Have we done that? And and, and also, I mean, you know, because the um, we're recording this on Friday. Let's let's let a little chink of light in behind the, man, into the process the magic, into the process blah 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 but um the uh the episode we did about corregidor went out today with john you know jo- joe swing 11th airborne and all that sort yeah of what's stuff. not to like well exactly but also you've got uh, again someone on my twitter feed going i had no idea there were even airborne operations in the in the pacific uh, i'd know, never heard of theater. joe swing until until I, you see we i got had this. I okay, had well heard done. of him. Well done. Well, no, right. because because he's in he's integral into when they set the airborne establishment up in in the US, um, you know, and they're and they're using parachute uh, um, attraction machines from the World's Fair and everything for people to float down and right. you know, yeah, yeah. And then he was and then he was in the Mediterranean briefly, wasn't he? I, I suppose what I'm saying is he hadn't he hadn't sort of lodged in my consciousness. Put it All that right, way. Okay, right, yeah. No, because he he does a study of of um, what 82nd Airborne get up to in Sicily and and yeah. And he and he comes. He basically says we need to completely reboot this. They need to be small, self essentially small, self-contained regimental battle groups. We don't, we can't, we you can't rely on putting a division in unless it's uh, unless it's um packs enough of a punch, which is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That he, that he, you know, he's quite influential. Anyway, but the point is, people are. Th- there's always something, you know. St- if you want to know which episode to start at, start with this one and work backwards, or jump in the middle, or whatever. Um, next week, uh, though, th- I think the truth is. They're not sequential. <laughs> they are not sequential. <laughs> I so mean, you can just do lucky dip. You well, do lucky dip. Literally, like history, they are one thing yeah. after another. Um, <clears throat> uh, and meanwhile, and, and meanwhile, well, and so for next week, next week's meanwhile is, of course, the anniversary of. Well, we start is the run up to Operation Chastise, 
um, the uh, the dams raid. Uh, that happens next week, doesn't it? I, I'm sixteenth, no, seventeenth is the night of the dams raid. I muddled yeah. about my weeks because I because I'm on this grid now for going into the Albert Hall um, next week. So anyway, but the point is, we we went to Germany. We looked at the dams. We stood at the dams and discussed the the raids. Yeah. We uh, we even recorded a podcast driving on our way to the Ada Dam. Um, uh, yeah. Jim at the wheel. A lot of fun it was too. Burning up the Artaban. I took no prisoners. Taking kind of prison, whatever the word, I don't know the word for prisoners. Anyway, so we had a lot of fun. Prisoneering. Prisoneering, probably. (laughs) We had a lot of fun. I just don't know. that is there to be listened to um, next week. And if you are, and and I think there's one a day next week, but if you're a Patreon, uh, we have ways, independent company member, if you're subscribed to our Patreon, you get the video as well next week. You get a video of, of us um, on an it was an increasingly chilly Mona Dam, windswept Mona Dam, and other locations um, for your enjoyment. That's next. That's G- next. Okay, week's I can stuff. tell you what prison war is. Kriegsgefangenen. Hold on. Kriegsgefangener. 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 You do this brilliant. You do it brilliant. You do. Kriegs a Kriegsgefangener, bitte schön. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Immediately, it has a kind of. A polish to the to, anyway, the, to the pronunciation that, anyway, that that's, is sadly lacking from me. <laughs> that's next week, a week uh, a week after when this goes out. Because we're recording this, we're recording this last week. This week is uh, uh, what we're going to talk about today, and then next week is the Dambusters. There we go. And you've been you've been abroad. Yeah, you've no, been, I have. I've been I've been foreign climbs. I've been doing a, a big shoot in Italy, which has been great fun. Yeah, um, with a with a fantastic team, uh, which also included Ned. <laughs> oh, awesome! Just, uh, so, so lots of games. We all had we all had call signs, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, so we all had radios, and we're like, um, really. Uh, but 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 Laura, who is the producer, yeah, she <laughs> her call sign was Robin Redbreast. I mean, how does that work on any level? So ne- <laughs> so Ned was Eagle One. <laughs> Ned was Eagle One. Uh, Charlie, who was our brilliant um, translator, she was she was Wild Boar. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark, who was Il Capo. Yeah. Um, he was bee eater, right? Bee eater, yeah, because he he saw one, and uh, and I was a killer, obviously. <laughs> so uh, this is bee eater for Eagle One. Do you copy? <laughs> we had to do all that. We had to do all that stuff. It was really, really funny. So that was like a nonstop gag that that never ceased to kind of work. So yeah, so we all had our call signs. It was very funny. We also met some hilarious Italians. Yeah, uh, we met Gaetano in in Naples, who was who had a, an incredible collection of papers, diaries, artifacts, posters, all relating to the history of Naples. And despite the fact that we were very very specific with him that we wanted to talk to him <laughs> about the four days, he wanted to talk about what was going on in eighteen eighty one, and he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, he said, La velocità è il nemico di tutti. No, to ogni cosa. So he said, speed yeah. is the enemy of everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, no, it's not. It's the absolute <laughs> best thing ever. Speed is the, is the absolute result that gets me out of, the, out of your room very quickly. <laughs> That's really So funny. he just stood up and he just went, Speed is the enemy of everything. I don't rush me. Don't hurry me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, And then we had another guy who was who. who, I really shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to because it was just it was just so funny. (laughs) This historian, I'm not going to name his name. But anyway, we were at the tobacco factory in Salerno. We met there, and and, and he turns up, and he's obviously a bit follically challenged, right? But he's 
oh, painted no. his he's painted his hair. Oh no. With like boot polish. And it was one of those things like throughout the interview, it's like don't catch the eye of anybody. And, yeah. and you know, I was saying to Mark afterwards, you know, can we use it? I mean, really? Absolutely. It just looks so weird. That's funny. That's but then funny. I met Andrea DeMarco in, in Ortona. Yeah. He was completely fantastic. And he told me that actually they the mouse hole thing. Yeah. So what they'd do is it would be bottom to top, top to bottom. So you 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 go into a house, you smash through the wall, yep. chuck in grenades, spray it with Tommy guns, yep. Yep. go in, work, work up the stairs, get to the top floor, smash, smash through the, the top, wall in the top work floor, your way back down, work again. down. So you're going up, down, up, down, up, down, which I didn't know. So that was really interesting. And then yeah. we had this fantastic t- time in the in the um you know the Panzer Frust on the 13th of September where <laughs> Mark Clark's running around kind of manning all the guns and all yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. And that was amazing because it was just absolutely clear that the Germans were never, ever, ever going to get out of that, that yeah. area. So although they're only a mile and a half from Fifth Army headquarters, yes. they might as well have been 20 miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They managed to do no, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it, it was just... It was so close, yeah, it was so far. It was just fascinating to see that see that landscape. And then the last couple of days I've been in um been in Normandy. Normandy again with Steve Prince and Woody, which has been quite fun. Oh, brilliant, that would be fun. Well, doing a doing a um a series called Hidden Histories of World War Two. Hidden Histories of World War Two. World War II. Yeah. You might think that the action by Michael Vittman and Villa Bocage is the number one act- tank action. But you'd be wrong. Because clearly everyone knows that the number one tank action is the twenty sixth of June when A Squadron of the Sherwood Rangers knock out thirteen tanks for no for no losses of their own. Obviously. Oh, oh James. God. I mean you know, everyone knows that, obviously. But obviously, it, but, it needs, but sometimes it just needs painting a bit more clearly. And needs putting on film, um, and, yeah. and 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 so on. Well, I mean, great. And, and standing where the panther was knocked out by Neville Fern and George Dream, yeah. and yeah, 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 blah blah blah. Yeah, brilliant, excellent. Yeah, anyway, well, look, anyway, so um, that was that. What were we going to talk about today? Um, I, I've got a little. I've got a little uh, thing I want to read to. Uh, Go on, then. Uh, oh, that's to, exciting. Yeah, the evening of the twenty fifth of April. The Major called us all around his tent. He was well disposed to the world and his fellow men via a distillery at Kirkintoloch in Scotland. In contempt of the Hun, he ordered a bonfire to be lit, gathered us around and told us the last battle is nigh. Alexander has offered the Bosch unconditional surrender or, or a watery grave and we'll give him Dunkirk without the evacuation facilities. Now let's have a song. We sang and there was the smell of victory in the air. Next day, we heard that the 8th Argyle and Southern Highlanders had taken long stop at Bayonet Point in one incredibly heroic charge, led by Major John Anderson, who was awarded the VC. Three days of slaughter for the peak had ended. That's from Rommel Gunnahu, uh, A Confrontation in the Desert by Spike Milligan. I mean, he missed he missed most of, of the long stop battle because he was poorly. But, um, but that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk the battle of, well, the, the end of Tunisia. Well, I think the end, end of it. Well, I started, yeah, and I started sort of going back through, through things on this. And I suddenly thought, you know, suddenly I was in January 1943 and not in April. Yeah. But it, it is, it is really interesting because, <laughs> because, because the Casablanca conference is where they kind of think, okay, it's not working. And why isn't it working in Tunisia? Two reasons. First reason is the Germans have massively, massively reinforced. Yeah, I know. L- less so the Italians, but the Germans have massively reinforced. They've brought over an entire Panzer Army. Yeah. The 5th Panzer Army under von Arnim. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's, it's a crazy, crazy thing to do. Yeah. And, and it's because of, it's because of Hitler, obviously. Yeah. You know, he's the one who's, who's absolutely attracting this. But it's also because of a fundamental misappreciation at the OKW. 
Yeah. So, so Wallamont, well, General Wallamont. You surprised me. I mean, I know. Can honestly. you believe it? Can you believe it? But, but, but in early 1943, they say, you know, it's clear to us that the Mediterranean and the, and the, and the Atlantic are of equal importance. It's like, I don't think so, mate. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. really, really not. Yeah. And again, it's what the Germans are doing are falling into the trap that you pointed out, which is fighting further away from German supply lines is a good thing. Yeah. And for the Allies. Supply lines yeah. For that yeah. yeah, for a really, really good thing, because they're better at supplying stuff in far yeah. distant climes than, yeah. than the Axis ever because can that, be. Because that's, that's what they're geared to do anyway, because everything the Allies do is expeditionary. Everything the Germans can do, if they want, is land-based and is direct rail lines of communication back to Germany, if they want. In this instance, they elect not to do that, which is a very strange... It's very strange, isn't it? I mean, it, it's very, very strange. And, and, and what you find is, is that by March... 1943, there are 350,000 access troops in Tunisia alone <laughs> and two armies. And they've also got vast numbers of, air, of, of aircraft. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that's sort of really, really interesting. So not only are they massively resupplying Tunisia, mm. they're, they're doing it with prime kit. Yeah. And also included in that, of course, the Tiger tanks. Yeah. Yeah, some of the most precious tanks. This yeah. is this is pre Kursk. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you still want to fight on the Eastern Front to to, to fight. Well, under so the- they're sending their best kit, yeah. best aircraft, best tanks, best guns. That, I mean, that's interesting in terms of if you think in terms of what the Germans think their priorities are, um, uh, because if the if the you know the Titanic struggle for Lebensraum is the thing, you know, the uh, and d- destruction of Judeo Bolshevism in the Soviet Union is is Hitler's. Chemo, key motivation, which is a th- you know a lot of historians say that's the war he really wants to fight. It's interesting that he is diverting so much to North Africa, and and like you say, it's a mis- misappreciation at the heart of German command that 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 y- you know y- y- they can't defeat the Allies expeditionarily. You, you you know what I mean? They need to pick their they need to pick their moment. And if they if they haven't if they hadn't overcommitted to Tunisia. That stuff you can use in Russia, that stuff you could use for when, I don't know, the Second Front comes or whatever. But there's a sort of peculiar determination to squander stuff in North Africa, isn't there? Absolutely extraordinary. Uh, Really extraordinary, yeah. Uh, And and that's the kind of because... Hitler is obsessed with his southern flank. Yeah, you know, he yeah. always has been. It's yeah. because, you know, once once the Allies get a toehold in the south, then, you know, it's a, the door slams open and Ploesti and the oil fields in Romania and all that. You know, he's yeah. completely paranoid about it. And, you know, he can cope with the eastern front and he can sort of think, okay, well, I know what I'm doing on the east western front because I'll yeah. build the Atlantic Wall. The southern front is a kind of sort of unknowable place with yeah. lots of, of sea and, and mountains and islands and, and Greeks and Italians. <laughs> and it's all sort of, do you know what I mean? You know, you kind of, it's sort of slightly out of his ken. It's sort of slightly out of his control so he just thinks right i'm going to just shove everything in north africa by the way steve prince made a really interesting point a couple of days ago because we were talking about tunisia and talking about north africa and he yeah. said well of course you know he said he reckons that one of the reasons why it's become hardwired into us that the germans have this sort of you know the supremacy in terms of machinery and weaponry and all yeah. the rest of it and that whole thing is because our early experiences of, of germany in the second world war were the blitzkrieg yeah well, they're obviously running amok. Yeah. And then the second big experience is North Africa. Yeah. Where they are all mechanised and there are no horses. And where they, and where they plough in all sorts of really, really good kit. What an so excellent the, point. the vision that we have of them is is sort of motorised and careering around in half-tracks and Tiger tanks and 88 millimetres. And it completely distorts the reality, which is that there are lots of infantry, infantry divisions full of horses. 
What a brilliant point. And also... Yeah, I, isn't I mean, it? And well, I just thought, yeah, well, okay, that all makes sense. Well, and First Army, you know, which is the new army raised for Torch. For this. For yeah. this. British the, First Army. Yeah. Their first encounter with the Germans is Tiger Tanks. Pretty much, yeah. So you've Because they're trying to get to... So this whole, is the whole... this. Yeah. But this is the point. I mean, this is the, illustrates that point further. Is, is that a brand new army raised specifically for... You know, as the aunt, you know, after some thinking about how you deal with the Germans, the first encounter it has is with the absolute high tech end of things, the best kit, the very best kit the Germans have got. So that, so what, 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 what's Rommel's force called? It's called the Panzer Army Africa. Yeah. And what's von Arnim's ba- army yeah, called? Fifth Panzer Fifth Army. Panzer Army. So no wonder you think it's all tanks and mechanized. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that absolutely deep, you know, that is deep rooted. Yeah. Because when you think of it, you just think of Rommel with his shades and his, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and in his in his bikes and in his radio wagon and all that, yeah, all that, yeah. And you think of Tiger tanks, and you think, you know, uh, uh, and then as if you as as if that's not enough, then you've got the Kasserine Pass, and you've got Rommel's sort yeah, of thrust yeah. through, you know, to Spitler and Philepti yeah. and 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 Zidi Bulls, you know, Zidi yeah. Bulzid and and all the rest of it, and Frühlingsfind. And and yeah. you can you can completely understand why that becomes hardwired. And yeah. then the next next time you really come across the across, obviously it's Sicily and and and, yeah. and in Italy where there's yet more tiger tanks, but 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 also then it's kind of Normandy where it's kind of you know Panzer the greatest concentration of Panzer divisions ever. Yeah. So is it any wonder that that we yeah. have this kind of distorted view of of the German army? Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah. I think he, he made a really really good point. Anyway, that's a by the by. But but what that means is is that when you know first army is supposed to just cre- you know cruise to Tunis yeah. after the kind of fall of Vichy North Fr- North, yeah. North Africa, go, go push out of out of French Algiers, go straight into Tunisia, take it. It's absolutely fine, but. But then the Germans massively reinforce, yep. and not only do they massively reinforce, they also massively reinforce with air power. Yep. So suddenly, having had dominance of the skies in yep. the Western Desert and in Libya, they haven't anymore in North yep. in, in Tunisia because more, more the Allied even. air forces haven't got themselves all organised. Yeah, and suddenly everywhere you know the infantry are kind of moving, you know, moseying about in North Tunisia with Messerschmitts shooting them up every two yep. seconds, and on top of that. It's a really bad winter, yeah. as we know. What? No, what? I, I, I could even never there have, could never have predicted that. <laughs> I mean, so th- the, net, the net result is that there's yet again there's this, or, or rather, amongst almost for the first time, there is this set of assumptions that now we're on the, you know, this is going to happen, and the, and the Germans particularly haven't played ball, hmm. and so there's this massive downer by January 1943 when the Casablanca conference well but, but Jim just just as just as the uh, German uh, German misapprehension of, of of what you know the Germans have made a mistake in what they're going to do the the, the, the Allies have clearly assumed well the Germans aren't going to reinforce Tunisia that would be a really stupid thing to do yeah, exactly <laughs> they're not going to do exactly. that exactly makes no we, sense whatsoever we would never do that that wouldn't be a sensible thing to do and I th- you know it's another word because this happens a lot in the Second World War it, it is where you know the, the assumptions are reflected on it. You know, you, if you're a, if you're a general in the British army, you assume the generals in the German army probably roughly think like you do roughly um, and would know perfectly well that sending a, a, a panzer army to Tunisia is a really rotten idea. So you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there are other, other, there are other reasons why it doesn't go well for first army in Tunisia. Partly because I think Kenneth Anderson has got a good track record. You know, yeah. he's the, he's the British first army commander, yeah. you know, completely forgotten now of course yeah um he's you know he's got a good track record he's a good trainer of men all that kind of stuff 
But it's absolutely clear that he doesn't have the force of personality to grip it. No. And people talk a lot in the Second World War about grip. But, but yeah. you know, he's one case where he just doesn't have that. He doesn't have the obvious charisma. He doesn't have the weight of battle experience that, that, yeah. that others do. Um, he's struggling in a coalition force, which he's not had any experience of. And Friedendahl, who is the commander of US2 Corps, is absolutely barking mad. Well, the thing is, is I mean, I was going to say that, that, that really a, b- a big part of the problem is how green everyone is. And, and it's not just it's I mean the, the 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 people at the top are good examples of this everyone everyone is pretty green and uh and you know the, obviously the Friedenhall Friedenhall ends up losing his job you know the, being green green being green is no defense ever obviously and and Anderson well, also because he makes and, a series of really really well, bad decisions. It's a terrible terrible decisions but he loses his job and and Anderson Anderson ends up sidetracked eventually doesn't he you know like uh, uh um uh, and so, like you say is forgotten but that's because he's sidetracked because it's the, the yes the, and it's very interesting that when it does come to the final battles in Tunisia although it is a first army operation the troops are borrowed from 8th army so it's 10 corps Horrocks is 10 corps yeah, 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 yeah. and Tuca and, and yeah. so on who are running the show and, yeah. and Anderson just sort of goes yeah whatever you know rubber stamps it but, yes but well there, not, but there's a little just, bit of there's a little bit of Monty going on there though isn't there of like actually I'm going to do course. this thanks very much um, I think if anyone's going to if anyone's going to finish things in North Africa it's 8th army we need to take a quick break now. We'll be back in a second. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people (laughs) will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. 
In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy, too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics U.S. wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Uh, James and I are talking about the Tunisian campaign. Will we get all the way to the Longstop Hill? I wonder. The British and American chief of staff get to Casablanca, and it, you know it's not going very well. And and Eisenhower is is kind of you know who's the overall commander doesn't seem to be kind of quite on top of things. And Freeland all is useless. Anderson is not kind of doesn't have the kind of weight of of personality to yeah. to, to really impose himself and what he wants to do. Um, the Americans not trained in a way that they need to be. And yeah. there's, there's basically a whole host of deficiencies which are all coming to play. The, the air forces aren't up. They're yeah. not forward enough. There's not a sort of centralized command yeah. for the, for the, for the air forces. So the Americans are doing their thing. The RF's doing their thing. It's, you know, it's all just lacking any kind of obvious yeah. gel. And, the, and there's and many, realize, many more Germans than anyone predicted being there. And the weather's terrible. Yeah. And the winter's and the terrible. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Part of the Casablanca conference is that can, Give the whole Tunisian battle and the whole North African battle a total overhaul and sort of coordinate things. And one of the first things they do is they go, right, this needs an army group commander. AFE army's moving up. Yeah. Needs an army group commander. We'll move Alexander from Middle East headquarters and we'll, we'll make him yeah. commander in chief of 18th army group. Yeah. From the first army and the eighth army. Yeah. One and eight makes 18. Yeah. And, um, so he comes in. They also create, uh, the North African tactical air force. Under Mary Cunningham, and there's still lots of debate because the Americans, broadly speaking, are not interested in airmen running the show on on ground targets. Yeah. So that whole debate, which has happened in November 1941 within the RAF, and particularly the RAF Middle East, and has worked very nicely, is not in place in North Africa. Uh, and very interestingly, at the end of January, they've just taken uh, um, Tripoli, and Monty decides to hold a command conference to talk about ideas and whatever. Yes, he runs a little staff school, doesn't he? A little staff school and invites everyone. Patton turns up and goes to it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm. But the but the key the key piece is by Mary Cunningham. There's yeah. absolutely no question about it because they're all mainly generals there. They're all ground men rather than airmen. And he says, this is how it has to be. And the reason why ground commanders shouldn't be making decisions is because you might have, you might want us to go and hit those 15 tanks, which are kind of, you know, just coming over the horizon, but you might not realize there's another 50 tanks kind of 10 miles away that we yeah. know about that you don't. Yeah. So you can put in your request, but we have to make that decision. Yeah. And, you know, they can, we can't do umbrellas. We just can't yeah. do that. We don't have the, the strength for it. And you have to trust us to work in, in cahoots. Uh, and what happens is, is after all this is agreed. I is can when- imagine that is a pretty, that, that was a pretty um, tricky briefing because you, you, you'll have soldiers who are going, no, I mean, yeah, no, you can, completely, completely. Yeah. And lots of people don't buy into it at all. Yeah. But the point is, by the end of the Tunisian campaign, they pretty much have. Right, because the results have, have yeah. proved the rightness of that yeah. that decision, and they and, and and so what you get is this moment is as is, is a sudden kind of realization that okay, we know we need to kind of pull together, but we haven't quite worked out how we're going to do it because we're coalition partners, we haven't fought side by side before, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, apart from a few air units which are operating in in um um operating with the Desert Air Force, American units and and, and so on, yeah. but for the most part, um, they haven't been. And they're feeling their way and trying to work out how, how, how they do things. But at that moment, Rommel, who is, is actually fired 
at the end of January, I think mm. on the 27th of January, I think yeah. he's told by Kesselring that, you know, his health is not good and he needs to go home. Yeah. And he realizes exactly what that is. And he's told that, 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 um, what's his name? Giuseppe Messe, who's been in, as an Italian commander, who's been, um, in, in the Eastern Front over in the Soviet Union is coming over to take over. <laughs> and, and Rommel just thinks, oh, okay, whatever. You know, yeah. I realize my star has faded, but, but, you know, he's already saying at this point, the only way to, you know, we shouldn't be reinforcing Tunisia. We need to kind of bug out. Yeah. And so that's the kind of sort of negative vibes that, that, no one wants to hear back at the OKW. And so he's given his marching orders. But before yeah. he does that, he goes, okay, but there's an opportunity here to sort of keep things at bay. So what we need to do is we don't want to be fighting at our back and at our front down in the southeast of Tunisia. We don't mm. want to be fighting on the kind of Marif line, which is the kind of the, the old French defences. Yeah. Um, um, uh, um, against Eighth Army, whilst also facing attacks from the, from behind us, so that's the genesis of Fulingswind, that yep. the operation to sort of strike strike into the kind of heart of southern Tunisia, and he goes whap bam into um, into US two corps who are spread to the four winds, and that's mm. Friedendahl's fault. You know, yep. he's he's taken penny packets of you know. So the yep. the first first infantry division, for example, is split into regimental combat teams, and the 18th RCT is attached to um, I think the Guards Brigade, if I remember yep. rightly, in the north, and another bit is there, and and you know it's exactly what Kesselring and stuff is doing in Italy in 1943-44. But it's a really really bad idea because you you lose all kind of cohesion and yeah. that sense of trust and and a kind of known chain of command etc etc consequently you know um um the americans are all over the place 34th red bull division they're kind of inexperienced and green they're up near fondue they get kind of you know they get get ravaged um uh, first armor division gets the full weight of of um 21st panzer and i yeah. think 10th panzer and they get overrun and and suddenly they're all streaming back and Friedendahl can't cope with it at all because he's in his sort of bunker in this yeah. gorge in speedy valley where he can't see anything and it's just absolutely hopeless and 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 Ronald Rommel runs a mock, and Rommel does what he always does when he runs a mock. Yeah. Is he thinks, oh, okay, this is good. Maybe I can go a bit further. Maybe yes. I can strike into the heart of Algiers, which yes. is just insane. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous. He's thinking, great, it's it's uh, May nineteen forty all over again. We're, I'll, I'll 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 keep going until I get to or, the or, or even May nineteen forty two. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the Americans, you know, the Americans take the Kasserine Pass battle, the throwback at Kasserine Pass. Mm past really really badly it's a, it's a real shock to them a real wake-up call it's still kind of this this trauma in the u.s army's history yeah i mean casualties are six thousand killed and wounded three thousand taken taken prisoner so it's quite a lot but you know u.s two corps is like ninety thousand strong yeah you know it's like an army really yeah and and they are really green i mean this is the and they thing. are really green and the point is is sometimes you need these slaps in the face so kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, we have been a little bit complacent here. We need to kind of have a little bit of a rethink, you know, new new sort of line in the sand. And that's pretty much what happens. And at that moment, so so the the, the, the strike is, is launched on St. Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1943. This is when Vind is kind of, you know, launched. Alexander takes over as Army Group Commander on the 17th. And immediately kind of makes his presence felt. So he's sort of, you know, the weather's terrible. He's wearing his sheepskin jacket. Um, he's careering around, going to the front, seeing everybody and, and making his assessment and working out what needs to be done. 
and and he and he recognizes very quickly that what needs to be done is everyone needs to be back in their parent unit. You know, the French need to be with the French, Americans need to be with the Americans, the British need to be with the British. Everyone needs to do that. Everyone needs to be kind of coordinated. Most importantly, air power needs to absolutely come into it, and they need to get forward airfields as quickly as possible and destroy as many of the of the Luftwaffe and, and Regio Aeronautica as they possibly can. And that's the start point. And you need to they need to get Eighth Army hurry up, speed up, and get into southern Tunisia and start closing in a kind of vice the Axis forces in Tunisia. And what he says is, I don't want anyone going past the eastern dorsal for the moment. Just hold the line. There's going to be no more reversals as that line comes out. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. I'm going to have my headquarters with the, you know, the, the NATAF, the North African Tactical yeah. Air Force. It's going to be, you know, we're all going to be having dinner every night together, supper in pleasant surroundings, surrounded by olive groves, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and literally within 10 days, the rot is stopped. Yeah. And he sets up, crucially, battle schools in Algeria. Yeah. Yeah. So the 14th, 34th rebels are rotated out. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because the, because the Americans do, you know, they they get, they, this is where Patton, of course, gets his gets his sort of chance. And he's pulled. Yes, because Freedom Dole is sacked. Exactly. Freedom Dole's fired. Patton's brought off, off planning for Sicily, brought in to shake things up. And Bradley centers eyes and has eyes and ears. Um, uh, and and you get this proper shake through. It's very interesting because yep. this is when Bradley's this is when Bradley's training back in the US, and he's moving, progressing right. from division to division, getting them in shape as a sort of he's sort of sent in as a sort of training troubleshooter. And uh, but suddenly he's sent to North Africa, but because of because of this, to be eyes and ears, to have a good look, see what patterns up to, see what needs fixing, and see see what he's doing. And the, I, I mean. I mean I, I think that you know the, the the net result of Kasserine is fascinating, isn't it? Because yes, it is. Yes, it is a, a slap and a wake up, but it shows the measure of the Americans that the Americans can respond to that and do actually figure out what you know, do actually figure out what to do rather than rather than fall apart completely. You know, uh, 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 that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's it's completely. And Alexander also keeps Patton on a very tight leash. I mean, yeah. he knows that he's this firebrand. He knows he's he's got huge potential. Yeah, but he also knows that he doesn't want there to be a second Catherine. That, that yeah. he doesn't want there to be, uh, you know, any hint of another reversal because that yeah. could be catastrophic to American morale and all the rest of it. Yeah. So he keeps him under quite close tabs. And actually, Bradley, who's observing this, thinks that's entirely justified. Yeah, yeah, and the right decision. And yeah. and I've got to say, from a Outside's point of view, I would I'm obviously completely agree with that. I, you know, and, and what he does is, as Tukor progresses in the, they're in the southern part of Tunisia, so they're around sort of you know Gafsa and El Getar and yeah. places like this. As they're kind of progressing forward, so Alexander gives him a little bit more rope. Um, th- there is a spat with with Mary Cunningham, which comes out, which is sort of um, emerges on the third of April, nineteen forty three. When Patton mouths off uh, about the lack of air cover and yep. the lack of umbrellas and all the rest of it, and and Cunningham kind of rebukes him, yeah, and, and it's a, there's a kind of sort of major incident, and Tedder then tears Cunningham off a strip and says, "Listen, you can't say that to to the two corps commander," and so <laughs> Cunningham goes and visits him in person with a kind of a bottle, and right, right, they kind of they make up, and he explains his thinking, and and Patton yep. goes, "Yeah, yep. okay, I get it," and you know. They kind of see friends, and I and I actually think that's quite an important moment because 
thereafter you don't get that from Patton, no. and, and and Patton is sort of symptomatic of all the all the Americans in that you know they are learning incredibly quickly. Yeah, and once there is a, once it is absolutely explained to him why it is important that the air commanders have control over where they send their aircraft, he gets it. Yeah, and yeah. certainly when it comes to Sicily, Patton is pretty much the complete commander. You know, yeah. he understands the operational levels. He, yeah, he gets the kind of how you incorporate um, air power, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, and these are things that Rommel never masters, for example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. And meanwhile, you've got you've got Eighth Army kind of advancing up towards up into southern Tunisia as well from Libya. Yeah. So from from kind of moving west from Tripoli, uh, and Rommel is is after after Fruling's wind. Rommel is given Army Group Command, so he is comes in above von Arnim and Messe, who has now come over to take over the Italian <laughs> Panzer Army. I mean, imagine that. It's called the Italian Panzer Army. You know, Panzer being a German word. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Yes. Um, and and Fritz Baerlein is Messe's chief of staff. And so that, just that, loathes him. Well, that, but that's, so there's, there's a, a sort of land grab by um, the Germans, isn't there? Like, as, as an attempt to completely co-opt the Italians. Yeah, and Messe's having none of it. Yeah. He's not being bushed around by Bearline, and Bearline's having none of it either. So Bearline basically <laughs> takes command of the of the of the Africa Corps yeah. and runs it himself. And you yeah. know, Messe's absolutely powerless to do anything about this. But the truth is, is is that when there is an opportunity to so so, so Eighth Army send up a couple of um, I think it's the Fifty First Highland, and I can't remember what the other division is. They send up two divisions up to up to Medanine, which is just yeah. inside the Tunisian border. Yeah, and there is an opportunity to strike hard at those two divisions because there are only two divisions, and they just you know Messe just doesn't do it. Yeah, it's too slow, too ponderous, too faffy. Yeah. They don't do it, and by the time they do attack, on I think it's the sixth of March. It's too late because the whole of Eighth Army has come up, and 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 what happens is they just meet a wall of air power and artillery. Yeah, and, yeah. and they, they they're completely blasted. Well, and, and then uh, and then Eighth Army moves up up to the Marathon, which is you know twenty miles yeah. in. Well, and, and by this point, um, uh, you know the, the British even have seventeen pounders, so the the up the upgrade is occurring in terms of anti tank capability. Um, uh, those weird pheasant ones, which are on the Tra- on the track of the you know on the chassis of the 25 pounder and and uh, i mean it, it, it do you think i mean do you when when does when does because you know rommel's fired sent home comes back yeah so he leaves on I the mean, sixth you know when when, do, when does the i mean because i think it's quite you know the sequence of battles is interesting because we're talking about a, essentially about a six-month period you know when you, you talk about you know, long stop uh, uh, falling in April '43. The, the, you know, the, there's an attempt in December. Or it's four or five months. There's an attempt in December to take long stop. This is a this is a, the line in Tunisia is quite static for a while. Aside from Kasserine adventures and stuff, things are fairly static. And it, and it's sort of I, I wonder when you know. And you say you know Rommel's saying bug out, but when the penny actually drops for the Germans that they've um put basically put their head in the vice is what they've done. They've completely offered themselves up for a great big spectacular defeat, haven't they? When, when- completely, and all the people out there know it. Yeah, that's the thing. So the reason Rommel finally leaves on the sixth of March or whatever it is he does, um, or the ninth of March, I can't remember what precise day it was. Yeah, but it was the beginning of March. He goes off his own volition. I mean, you know, it is his decision to go. He is ill. He is exhausted. But yeah. the reason he goes is because 
Hitler is still sending stuff over to Tunisia and he yeah. wants to go and he wants to see him in person and say, look, this is insane because yeah. this yeah, is yeah. not going to work. Uh, and so he decides to go in person to appeal in person to the Fuhrer to yeah. say, stop reinforcing, let us, let us evacuate. <laughs> and of course that doesn't happen. And he never goes back to Africa again. Yeah. 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 But interestingly on the, you know, on the 27th of March, um, von Arnhem calls in Hans von Luck and says, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, who's, who's one of, Rommel's sort of favorite sort of battalion commanders and says to him, right, I want you to go to, yeah. to, to the Burkhoff and, and talk at all the, you know, Rustenberg and talk to the Fuhrer. And von Luck says, you know, that's not going to make any difference whatsoever. And he goes, well, it might do because the, you know, von Arnim says to him, it might because the Fuhrer hates us generals, but he might listen to a major who's got kind of, you know, Yes, von Luck's description of that is, you know, like the sand still in my boots and all that. It's a very funny, oh, like, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. properly like, um, honed anecdote of him you know, yeah but he, but he never gets to Fuhrer he never no, gets no, of to course he doesn't no of course he doesn't and he never comes back either <laughs> yeah he doesn't uh, so come he lives, back either, he lives yeah. to see another day he's uh, and, and that's why he ends up in Normandy and you yeah. know just a little over a year later I'll tell you what we're, we're, we're just not going to finish no we are we, are, Tunisia. we haven't even got close <laughs> we haven't even got close we, we've let we're, we're still in March 1943 well, this, is, this is why I was saying you know that the, 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 we're talking about quite a long period here and, you know the, 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 the Coldstream guards on it just, just before Christmas, try and take um, uh, Longstop Hill, which is where we where we started, and and they and they they uh, they get up there and they're driven off again. You know, uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the battle we're talking about, or, or we started with, with Major Anderson winning winning his VC with the. Um, we haven't uh, got there yet. We haven't got even close with the Argyles. We okay. Well, I'll be speaking on Monday or something. <laughs> so maybe that, we'll talk about I it think then. That's the plan. We'll have to come back. <laughs> Well, it's a great story, Vaitisia. It's a great story. And, um, you know... We've still got Sidi Nazir and Hans well, yeah. Gap and, you know, and, and, and Wadi Akarit and Tuka and... But you know what, Jim? Operation we talk- Strike. We were talking right at the start of this about... Uh, Palm or, Sunday, or, Turkey n- Sheep. We were talking about, um, you know, Germans sending Tiger tanks, sending the latest technology. Well, you know, so do the British. So th- this is the battle where the Churchill tank... Um, apart from at Dieppe, of course, where the Churchill tank makes a actually game-changing, technological game-changing appearance, raises the game in terms of what you can do with armor in a way that you know the the, the appearance of the Tiger tank is seen as the is seen as the the great the great shock for the British, but the Germans, uh, um, the Churchill tank turns up and is able to deal with terrain that a German tank can't deal with, places armor in a place that makes the Germans think, oh, we've lost that that. Game over. They've got something that is. They've got something that can do something we never thought was possible. And well, uh, you know, and there's a, there's, yeah. Go on. Uh, uh, well, and uh, given the given the the glamour around the tiger, the Churchill actually, you know, this is this is where the Churchill makes its bid for best tank of the Second World War in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's also <laughs> interesting that I mean, you know, even Stanley Christopherson, who in the Sherwood Rangers yeah. involved in the in the We'll go back to that next time. But, yeah. Uh, in the kind of running around the map, Martin Hills as part of the Marathon battle. He says, you know, one thing that's absolutely clear to me is that the most important weapon is is, is not the tank. It's the anti-tank gun. Discuss. Yeah. Discuss. Anyway. Anyway, on that well, note, well, on that note, um, thanks for everyone for listening. Um, we will we will come back to this and talk about Tunis Grad. Yes. Um, uh, next uh, time. Next time. Uh, thanks for listening. See you all very soon. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Cheerio.